0: atlassian
1: you're listening to bgn radio with brandon lee gowton and jimmy kemsky
2: yo what's going on everybody this is bgn radio episode number 380 i am jimmy kemsky from phillyvoice.com with me as always Brandon Lee Galton of leading Brandon, the coordinator search went by pretty quickly. I thought we were going to be covering this for a while. Like uh, that was going to drag on like it did uh, a year ago when they eventually, I guess they didn't really hire too many or interview too many offensive coordinators because they knew they were going to promote Ryan Johnson, but they had an extensive defensive coordinator search. And this year, boom, Fangio quick, Kellan Moore relatively quick, and we're on to the positional coaches. But before we get to all that good stuff, let me tell you, Brandon, and our listeners about Wrong Crowd Beer. Brandon, you already know about all about them. You and I have been there, had some beers, had some food, had an event. We had a live podcast there. That was good times. That was uh, the Cowboys-Seahawks Thursday night game uh, during the season, late in the season, I think in December. Uh, good times. They're uh, really, really good people there. Check them out in Westchester, PA, or at Wrong Crowd Beer. I got to stock back up, by the way. I think I'm out currently of all my Wrong Crowd Beer. Uh, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and I polish those off. Uh, but yeah, wrongcrowdbeer.com. Order online or wherever you buy your beer. Say, yo, buddy, get some Wrong Crowd Beer here. And if they have it, stock up. And if they don't, say, yo, dude, get some Wrong Crowd Beer in here. But Wrong Crowd Beer. Very good place. Good food. Good beer. How you doing, buddy?
1: I too, Jimmy, was thinking I need to stock back up on some Wrong Crowd beer, maybe take my parents there. It's a good, you know, good place to visit, I feel like, in the off season. Uh, Westchester, sure. as in general, walk around town, you know, do some different things, yeah, go it shopping. It's like
2: a great, like, uh, spring kind of place. Yeah. You know, when the weather starts to get, you know, right. nicer, hop on into the brewery, have a beer. And like, the Westchester's pretty cool.
1: I like it a lot. Um, there's some good pizza there, including at Wrong Crowd. Uh, beer company, but in in uh, some of the other spots there too in town. I want to try their Buns Hun. Uh it's a stout that they have there. I see listed on their hmm. menu. Uh sometimes I like a heavier beer like that. So I want to try that Buns Hun stout. So next time I swing by wrong Crowd Beer Company in Westchester, PA, because I'm twenty one years or older, uh I will do just that and enjoy it. But uh Jimmy, we're late on the Calum Moore reaction podcast by a week Uh in part because uh obviously you were down at the senior bowl and scheduling issues and whatnot um but it is pretty interesting to me as you said that the eagles kind of made these moves quickly i think you can say on the you know optimistic side of things like they had their candidates and they acted quickly and it wasn't like you Mm -hmm. know this meandering search where they're kind of settling for someone like these are the guys they wanted and there's a track record to suggest as much considering obviously Vic Fangio was supposed to be the defensive coordinator last year until yeah. everything went a little bit sideways there and with Kellen Moore I mean they literally interviewed him to be their head coach back in 2021 when they ended up with Nick Sirianni and then even before that I think I feel like that kind of got lost a little bit in the coverage Legals hiring him. Eagles had interest in him in 2020 going into uh, that year, when they were looking for a new offensive coordinator after Mike Gro wasn't returning, uh, I don't know that they officially interviewed Kellen Moore, but I know at one point that Albert Breer said the Eagles like really liked Kellen Moore a lot, and they kind of wanted to. They were monitoring his situation if if Dallas wasn't going to keep him or whatever, or somehow if he could shake free that the Eagles had interest in Kellen Moore. So that's you know that's been established. This isn't just like a new thing. So uh, Kellen Moore is obviously kind of an interesting story had a good little breakdown of how he got to where he currently is with RJ Ochoa on the NFC's mm-hmm. tape this past week, knowing his background, you know, as a player to who very quickly transitioned to coaching uh after his playing career ended. So my general take is that I think it's a good hire because he's overseen some high level offenses. So you have a track record, something you can hang your hat on, something you can point to saying okay, this is something he can do. He can he can oversee a high-level offense as a play caller. So I like that. I guess the, the thing I don't like is that, and I know maybe there's different reasons for this. It might not be as simple as this, but bottom line is that the Cowboys' offense did improve when he left last year, and obviously it's not like he had amazing results with the Chargers.
2: Yeah, he's been around a while, but at the same time, he's still really young. Like he became an offensive coordinator when he was 30. <laughs> so they're like, you know, there are plenty of players on the team that were older than him, and he's the offensive coordinator. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, he quickly transitioned from a player to become quarterbacks coach, was only a quarterback coach for one year, and then boom, promoted to you know, offensive coordinator, coordinated, you know, Cowboys offenses for four years. And then, you know, after the 2022 season, he and Mike McCarthy. I I quote unquote, like parted ways, probably the nice way of saying the Cowboys didn't want Kellen Moore anymore. And then McCarthy sort of had that infamous quote where he was like, um, you know, I'm not, I'm paraphrasing. This is not the actual quote, but basically like he didn't want to, like he was more interested in winning games than scoring points. Like Kellen Moore just wanted to go out there and score a lot of points. And, you know, he wanted to, you know, basically run the ball and play good defense or whatever. And they wound up not being that in 2023, but only because I think that's what they wanted to be, but they couldn't because, you know, they they didn't have, like, the horses in the backfield to kind of do, like, Tony Pollard's a good player, but he's not, like, a like a carry-the-load kind of guy. And coming and off they the didn't really have much injury, depth. too. And they didn't, yeah, right. And he was coming off an injury, and they didn't have much depth behind him either, so they kind of wound up being a passing team anyway in 2023. But in Kellen Moore's Cowboys career, the Cowboys led the league in yards gained twice in, in the four years that he was a coordinator. They led the league in yards gained twice. They led the league in points in 2021, and they were fourth in points in 2022. You know, their DVOA uh, was was, you know, top four in two of those years. He was number two in 2019. He was number four in 2021. So, you know, he's got a good background. When he and the Cowboys parted ways, he, like, I think it was, like, the next day he got the offensive coordinator job for you know the Chargers. The Chargers obviously had a disaster season. It wasn't the offense's fault necessarily. Their defense was absolute trash. And Brandon Staley got fired in season. Justin Herbert got hurt. Didn't, you know, couldn't finish out the rest of the season. Easton stick played, you know, started and, and played their last four games. And interesting, like they didn't totally go in, like they lost all four of those games, but their offense didn't like completely tank, Uh, it, you know, when, when when Herbert was gone, did a bunch of receiver injuries as well. So, you know, you can kind of forgive, you know, a down season for him. The offense was way better than their defense uh, a year ago. But anyway, he became available because they fired Brandon Staley and they hired Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh wants to bring his own guys in to, to L.A. with the Chargers. And he became available. And I think when you look at the other candidates that they were looking at, like they weren't going to hire Gerard Johnson. I think like, you know, the, right. the former Texas A&M quarterback, you know, had a bunch of cups of coffee and like a bunch of NFL training camps, Eagles included. Did, you know, stellar work with C.J. Straub. C.J. Stroud probably had like one of the best rookie seasons Ever like in the NFL, and he was his quarterbacks coach uh, in, in Houston. Wound up staying in Houston. They once it became known that Nick Sirianni was not going to be running the offense, that wasn't going to be his offense anymore. Like whoever they hired as the offensive coordinator was going to run their offense. Guys like him, like weren't going to be an option. Like guys who you know didn't already have experience as offensive coordinators probably weren't going to be an option. So I didn't think he was an option. The guy that I thought you know might get hired but would have been bad was Cliff Kingsbury, who I, I think like philosophically he and Nick Sirianni's ideas align a little too much for, you know, my taste in that, you know, he runs an raid offense and Sirianni isn't running an air to offense necessarily, but um, a lot of their concepts are, are the same in that there's not a lot of motion. It's just a lot of like run a limited playbook, but just, uh, you know, execute the limited playbook at a high level and you know, not it's basically a, almost entirely a shotgun offense. It's rarely anything from under center, um, which I think a lot of teams around the league have had success with. You know, running plays from, from under center, and the Eagles basically did almost none of that at all in 2023 and really before that as well. So I think he would have been kind of a disaster hire. Like it would have just been like the same offense over and over, and not the quote unquote fresh ideas that they were talking about in their po- in you know their postseason press conference. So I think ultimately this is a good hire. And um, they could have done a lot worse, certainly. Um, but you know, I compare this hire to sort of the other offensive ho- coordinator hires around the league, and and I think the Eagles did well to to grab Kellen Moore.
1: Yeah, I didn't want you know Cliff Kingsbury and Gerard Johnson. I think could have a bright future, but
2: absolutely, yeah. I should note, like, I think he would have been like a really good hire
1: in the right in the right circumstances, but not in the Eagles' case here. I mean, like, t- to especially when you fire Brian. Jo- you, okay, you fire Brian Johnson, who's like an inexperienced play caller at the NFL level who's done it in college mm-hmm. so you can hire Gerard Johnson who's never done it and like that's gonna save Nick Sirianni in the offense so yeah it's a, it's a little bit of a leap to me that you were just gonna count on Gerard Johnson to like it's, it didn't really fit seemingly what they were looking for mm-hmm. um it would have been an upside swing maybe it could have worked out I'm not saying it's a uh impossible but it just it seemed a little far-fetched from a uh track record Standpoint. I want to read this from our good friend and fellow co host here on BTN Radio, Johnny Page, who had a really nice breakdown with Shane Half on Vic Fangio uh, this week. So go check that out. And I I imagine the guys are going to cover Kellen Moore. But Johnny tweeted this actually on Saturday morning when we were recording this podcast. Been studying Kellen Moore's offense in Dallas the past few days, and it's a great fit with Sirianni's philosophy. It's an aggressive down the field vertical scheme that wants to create explosive plays but is also happy to run it from 12 personnel against teams who will sit in nickel light boxes it's a very different mm-hmm. scheme but philosophically i think it's a really good match so you know it's a nice little uh endorsement from johnny who obviously watches a lot of film and has good uh good pulse on that kind of thing uh <clears throat> my other you know part of this hire is that again i mentioned it but kind of can't totally separate how Eagles like Kellen Moore and have interviewed him to be their head coach in the past. So I mean, let me know if you think this is there's nothing to this or there's less to this than I think, but I absolutely think there's a scenario where like Kellen Moore crushes it and maybe Nick Sirianni a CEO head coaches, is kinda of like, you know, eh, like not really necessarily giving the team an edge. And they're in a position where you know, like, are you worried about losing Kellen Moore?
2: Right, Maybe yeah, if do he's going to promote... become a head coach somewhere else, yeah. Maybe you, you promote him? Do you and, promote and, him? Yeah.
1: And, and obviously, you know, uh, I don't think the Eagles want Vic Fangio to be their head coach. I think, you know, again, he's kind of proven that it's not really the best role for him in the NFL, but it can't be lost. I feel like it shouldn't be lost to anyone that they hired a guy for offensive coordinator who they interviewed for their head coach, and they hired a guy right. defensive coordinator who has been a head coach in the NFL. That's, that's totally – and then obviously, too, um, I guess we can – touch on this on i don't this. think you're making too much of that at all by the way okay. I think yeah I think, a, I think that's a legitimate scenario
2: that that could that could occur down the line yeah
1: especially also I'll fold in here i didn't put this in the show sheet but i should mention it as well that you have um greg bedard who covers a lot of uh covers the nfl and and the patriots and stuff for boston sports journal and it's like a long time patriots plugged in guy you know like has you know patriots connections anyway uh he said that he had heard and he said he kind of qualified it as senior bowl rumor mill talk, but um <laughs> still he yeah yeah oh you so you don't like this, you don't put anything into this
2: no I mean go ahead, continue, but yeah I, I from a journalist standpoint, I kind of don't like if you know if you got something it. if it's just, if you're if you're couching it as uh some and like this is not what he was saying of course but uh some we had some beers and some guys said some stuff and Mm. uh here's what he said (laughs) you know like but anyway continue
1: yeah he said quote uh the eagles or eagles were quote sorry let me put this the quote in the right place eagles quote were very interested in bill belichick end quote uh basically if nick sirianni didn't agree to the coaching changes kind of like how doug peterson didn't really agree to the suggested coaching changes back in 2020 that's what he compared it to and basically said um that you know if if things don't work out with Nick Sirianni in 2024 right that's the year we're in uh that you know they could be at the front of the line if things go poorly again for Nick Sirianni next season and also uh kind of had said that they he highly suspects that Uh, The Eagles were one of the teams, in addition to the Falcons, who kind of like were back channeling to the Patriots or, you know, Bill Belichick late in the 2023 season, kind of like, you know, putting out feelers or kind of gauging interest um, through those kind of back channels. So that's another kind of thing out there.
2: See, here's the thing with that, like Howie wants no part of Bill Belichick coming to the Eagles, wants no part of that because it threatens his, you know, his stronghold over, you know, personnel decisions. So like you bring in a bill Belichick, even if bill Belichick says, you know, I-, I can take a step back from personnel decisions and, you know, let somebody else kind of run the show in that regard. Ultimately, if he has any kind of success, he's going to want that back. So like, you know, uh, uh somebody like Howie who does not want to cede any personnel control or decisions, He's not going to want a personality like Bill Belichick, sort of infiltrating the organization, is the way I'll put it. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I, that doesn't that just doesn't pass the smell test to me. Hmm. And I think it's pretty. I, I, I think that's pretty thinly sourced. Uh, it, and you know, all all due respect to Greg Bedard, who is a great journalist, but I, I think in this case, I think that's a pretty thinly sourced report.
1: Regardless, Bill Belichick does loom large over the NFC sure. East specifically. Because regardless of what the Eagles' angle, there's obviously going to be what happens with the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy, Brian Dable mm-hmm. certainly. If you know things go bad again for the Giants, which they always seem to, uh, you know, going to loom large there. So will be certainly you know could be impacting the division at some point in the future next season. But yeah, for now, not the case. Sorry, kind of took a detour there from the Kellen Moore thing. Did you have anything else on Kellen Moore?
2: No, I mean he's going to be tasked with getting Jalen Hurts back on the right track because you know we can talk about how the offensive scheme didn't handle blitz as well they ran a lot of weird you know like the screen game just didn't work at all and they kept they kept trying to 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 go to it <laughs> throughout the entirety of the season like the play calling was was certainly an issue um they didn't do a good enough job scheming, you know, wide open receivers, whereas other teams, all that with plenty of other teams uh, around the league, it seemed like anytime guys like A.J. Brown or, or Devontae Smith made plays, they were difficult plays to make, and they made them because they're great receivers, but it just didn't seem like the scheme, the scheme was being propped up by great players as opposed to the scheme putting the great players in a position to be amazing players. Um, but I don't think that, that excuses Jalen Hurts's play in uh 2023 either. Mm-hmm. I think he took a step back certainly from 2022. Um he did not handle the blitz well in my opinion. Um you know the, the Eagles didn't afford him opportunities to get the ball quickly in my opinion, but also he was really quick to bail anytime uh, a blitz came his way. So um he's got to get back on track and you know this move maybe um I don't know. It it, it certainly is fresh ideas, quote unquote, as they kept saying during their year end press conference. Um, But I think it's also kind of like. I wouldn't call it's it's like time to get serious again, (laughs) like, you know, they had obviously a terrible year. And uh, I think just the team in general and and Jalen Hurts personally needs to kind of um, realize that how badly to 2023 went and, you know, life comes at you fast, Mm -hmm. uh, if you will. And he's got to have a big bounce back here in 2024, or, you know, like the reports that we kind of saw at the end of 2023 about leadership issues, they're only going to accelerate. And, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, the offensive court, you know, they already made one move. So then what happens thereafter if right. the offense
1: continues to struggle? Yeah, I mean, obviously, again, I think it would be Sirianni, but certainly... You know, yeah, right, right. As, as you pull more and more of those levers, it comes down to the point yeah, the where the dominoes just
2: continue to fall yeah, ultimately, you know. So
1: eventually, you know, they'll get to you get to the point where the quarterback is in jeopardy. Um, but obviously not the starting point, but certainly, yeah, I, I you know. agree.
2: Sirianni's next, <laughs> yes, if, if it does, if it does continue to go badly. So he's got, he's got some, uh, some separation between him and, and the rest. But we're maybe talking about all this prematurely, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's one, one, you know, the domino effect has already begun.
1: I'm interested to see how, like, things work, and this is why, you know, I'm, I'm partly frustrated why Sirianni's back, because, you know, how much of it is truly hands-off? It's Kellen Moore's offense. Sirianni isn't, you know, contributing to that at any point, and especially when it comes to the bigger kind of picture. There's going to be po- so points in the game where you're talking about, like the the philosophical, like your, your approach, right? You know, your approach to mm-hmm. the situation. It's not going to be like a surprise to Nick Sirianni that, you know, it's third and long. And are you going to be conservative and run like a coward's draw? Because your focus there in the context of managing the game and controlling the game is like, do we want to run some clock and kind of just set up, you know, a punt here? Or do we want to, you know, be aggressive and go for it? that's not just on the play caller right fair to say it's mm-hmm. not literally just right. on like kellen Moore to be like well i'm going to call a pass here because you know as we saw last year there was that time when Sirianni even admitted against i think it was the first commanders game where it was third and long and brian johnson had a pass play called and nick Sirianni kind of like overruled him and was like no actually i want to run here so um you know i, I wonder I kinda... how that dynamical work by the way like
2: what yeah. kind of personality is kellen Moore, and is he going to get pissed off right anytime like nick Sirianni tries to overrule him it's like yeah. yo dude I was hired to run the offense. Right, get that get the f out of my way.
1: <laughs> you know? I hundred percent, I agree. And uh, but again, yeah, too. That's that's part of what the CEO head coach has to do, though, right? In theory, is like, yeah. has to talk about like game situation, like what's what's the approach here. I'm not calling the play, right. but like I am like saying philosophically, like, managing is, the game. Yeah, this is the time, like where we want. Put on the gas we're going for it like so uh that is part of it that's like Nick Serena is not just not going to be involved in that so that's that's the part I'm concerned about because I think we've seen him be too conservative again it's kind of misleading when you look at you know like I think he he probably ranked I haven't seen the numbers yet from this year but I'm sure he ranks at like the top in fourth down go for it because of the tush push but I want to look at non-tush push scenarios because that's where I think Mm -hmm. he's you know obviously not aggressive enough So that's kind of something I'm wondering about, how that's going to go with Kellen Moore. Um, Certainly, you know, we'll learn more about him. And I do think that there are things that he adds in terms of, yeah, motion and all of that and whatnot. And that's great. Um, But those certainly, those aren't the only things wrong with the offense. That's part of the problem. I think Kellen Moore can help. Uh, Yeah, ultimately, I like it. I'm intrigued. I don't think it's like an A-plus hire. Again, I think there's some questions there. But ultimately... It was the move worth making, just kind of like Vic Fangio too. Not not necessarily an A plus move for me. Um, but when you think about who what else they could have done, I think it is it sticks out as the strongest option. Okay.
2: All right. Let's move on to positional guys real quick before we go to break. And you're going to carry you're going to do the heavy lifting here because this all happened when I was in, you know, in transit to Mobile and I didn't really pay much attention to it when I was there. They hired Clint or they're reportedly, you
1: know, poised to hire Clint Hurt to (laughs) run the defensive line who looks Uh, like Casper. Well, Clint Hurt looks like who looks like a defensive lineman. Is running the, yeah. is the, the the defensive line coach.
2: He looks bigger than any of the defensive linemen they have. He's honestly, huge. well, except for Jordan Davis. <laughs> yeah, he's a big, he's a big boy. And then uh, they're gonna, they're sitting, they're poised to hire Joe Casper, who mm-hmm. was the safeties coach uh, in Miami with Big Fangio. Uh, they were reportedly going to hire Carl Scott, mm-hmm. but nope, he's going to be staying uh, in Seattle. And DK McDonald, uh-huh. of course, is out. DK McDonald took over for um denard wilson Mm -hmm. as the the secondary coach for the eagles we'll get to him later actually because he he was kind of connected to that we're going to talk about the nfc east uh coaching hires and the giants are looking for a defensive coordinator he interviewed with them twice before ultimately landing with the titans we'll get to that later Mm -hmm. um but clinton hurt and joe casper what are your initial takeaways on those guys
1: yeah i think we had said that I think I you, we played the game last episode or so, and they were like, "Who do you think's in or out, assistant coach wise?" I think I said uh-huh. Tracy Rocker was out. I think I said that. I'm not sure. If not, well, I'm gonna say I did and take credit for it anyway. Uh, <clears throat> I like I like the idea of changing things up there because you know I don't think it was just Tracy Rocker's fault. The defensive line rotation kind of got out of whack. I think it's bigger than that, but I definitely think it's kind of doesn't hurt to kind of take a new approach there. I mean, the reality is too the pass rush. And, and no small underperformed, but unquestionably yeah. underperformed. And Josh didn't have a sack like since week nine until when he did what in the playoff game or week 18. Like he went a long stretch there without having a sack. Yeah, the pass rush just kind of fell off a cliff. You know, Jordan Davis kind of fell off every like, defensive line as a whole, kind of just fell off a cliff a bit. Mm-hmm. So I think it's fair that they want to get a new look there some new ideas clint hurt obviously didn't work out as a defensive coordinator for the seahawks but i'm sure that you know you put him back at the defensive line level maybe you know you can get some juice to squeeze out of the orange there if that metaphor works at all uh carl scott thing was kind of interesting but that kind of happens uh that's happened in the past where like you know an assistant coach will agree to a position or gets reported but then things change so not like you know unprecedented that he would not work out but Mm -hmm. i guess a little interesting to see how they handle the defensive backs thing exactly because it's been reported that joe casper is going to be their safeties coach which they actually haven't had a safeties coach since Mm -hmm. 2020 when that was uh the structure on doug peterson's last defense tim hawk held that position uh under nick seriani it's been defensive backs coach who was denard wilson the first couple years and assistant defensive backs coach uh and a Nichols coach, <laughs> and then last year, yeah, they added a Nichols coach. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't know if they're going to break that down some more here or what. We'll see how they handle that. Um, I think it's worth noting that you know the the Miami Dolphins have some assistants. Uh, I think Ronaldo Hill, who could be in play there. I think if I feel like no one has mentioned this name, but um, uh, Ed Donatel is also you know a, a longtime Fangio assistant and mm-hmm. is unemployed since getting fired last year. At the, as the Vikings DC. Um and he's a guy who has a, a defensive backs track record. So maybe he's a name to watch. Another fangio guy. So we'll see how that shakes out there. Uh um, safety's coach is like a, a sneaky underrated uh
2: positional coach for this team too because like Reed Blanketchip's heading into his third year. Mm-hmm. Sydney Brown's heading into his second year. I think it's actually pretty like it's a decent enough safety draft. Not early. Like there aren't really any you know guys that are going to go Round one, particularly, but you know, rounds two, three, um, or d- days two, three, rather, decent number of. Uh, I'd be surprised if they didn't take a safety at some point in this draft. So you're potentially going to have three young guys. I imagine they're going to add someone in free agency as well. So putting all those guys together and safeties, um, you know, are kind of important. To uh, they've been they've been important to Vic Fangio in the past. Mm-hmm so they're going to want performance out of that position and
1: certainly they got to play better than they did last year i don't know if antoine winfield's you know going to make it out of tampa but i think no way he'll get tagged yeah no no way if he doesn't though (laughs) then i think that's absolutely a guy they would go hard after like that's a guy and i agree i think it's Mm -hmm. more likely that the bucks don't let him out of the building but somehow if they don't then i think the eagles would you know then that's not anything uh like i'm not like basing on anything i'm hearing but i'm just i think that's that's that just lines up to me as something they would do anyway um it's funny that, you know, I say this as we're spending time talking about this on the podcast, like that, you know, assistance. I it's I I've been thinking about it in the terms of you know, the 49ers and the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl right now, but like who's like, oh wow, you know, they're there because they have assistant <laughs> coach X Todd Pinkston. Yeah, is, is really, uh... <laughs> you know, doing the heavy lifting. I'm not I don't want to say they don't matter at all. Of course they matter. They're part of the equation, but you know, it's just it's of heightened importance right now because it's what's in the news cycle and it's yeah. what there is to mm-hmm. talk about. But, you know, when the games are being played in September, you're, no one's going to be like, well, oh, I'm so hyped for this team because they hired Joe Casper. <laughs> Joe Casper, Casper, baby. And he might be great. Right. Again, I'm not trying to say. Suck Cowboys. <laughs> Suck <at> Giants. <laughs> we got just, Joe Casper. It's just a little kind of – it's a little <laughs> funny to me right now how much we, you know, put the emphasis on position coaches when they do matter but maybe not quite as much as people – think they do or we think they do sometimes
2: Lamb is, is nervous as hell
1: <laughs> i think like <laughs> with anything like i guess at the linebacker position the resources there last week there's a threshold you know you want your position coaches to at least kind of know what they're doing and not totally be you know total liability disasters and clueless i, mean, I,
2: I think what we see from like positional coaches is their effectiveness over time like jeff Stoutlin has obviously you know developed yeah. um some of his players into, I mean, Lane Johnson and, and Jason Kelsey became Hall of Famers sort of under his watch. And he's done a good job, obviously, not a good job, an amazing job with Jordan, you yeah. know, a guy like Jordan Milata, um, less so with, and they're hitting, you know, there are misses in there too. Andre Dillard obviously busted. Um, but, you know, uh, I think, you know, over time is when you see the right.
1: value of positional coaches as opposed to guys that make an instant impact. I agree. I think that's a fair way to put it. Okay. Let's take a break here, Jimmy. We will be back after this.
0: Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world
1: Back here on BGN Radio, which in addition to Wrong Crowd Beer Company, it's also brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, go to RighteousFelon.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. As I mentioned in the last episode, very exciting news that Righteous Felon Craft Jerky will be coming to Wawa in April. So the move there oh. it, is that once you see it there I mean don't wait this long but if you are happening you know to wait that long you're reluctant for some reason to get on the righteous zone hype train uh you know give it a try if you see I it in the store they're also in giant so I just I went to giant the other day did some grocery shopping I saw righteous zone craft jerky there you grab a pack you give it a try and you're like wow this is really good and you want a lot more of it well the way, the best way, the optimal way to do that is to buy it in bulk because you're getting savings from the start from buying in bulk, the automatic built-in discount of that. Plus, then you're using the discount code to get even more savings on top of that. And it's just a win-win for everyone because when you buy Right to sell in Craft Jerky with BGN15, you're helping support BGN Radio, which is a free podcast. And also, Jimmy and I, I think it's fair to say that, I mean, it's not just fair to say it's literally accurate that. Our articles are also free you know we're not behind the paywall or anything so we appreciate it if you do want to support us and also get yourself a uh you know improve your life and get get a kickback get a, a good product in the process kind of just a win for everyone life. involved
2: huh <laughs> improve your life
1: yeah i think i think rights to well, the, the eagles the eagles li- lives got worse because they they stopped they, eating the that's they did not have enough for sure so Yeah, improve your life by going to rightsocellon. dot com and using discount code BGN fifteen for fifteen percent off your order. Okay, Jimmy, I figured it's time to turn back the clock to the days of blocking the beast when you used to cover the NFC East. (laughs) Or yeah, we normally don't talk too much about the NFC East. You and I, because you have, of course, had the the other podcast with RJ, right? Um, But there are there are major moves that were made, especially uh, NFC East as it relates to the Eagles and. The impact of moves around sure. so the big news obviously, the Dallas Cowboys are losing their defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, to mm-hmm. land over Maryland's own Washington commanders. I think this is kind of crazy, Jimmy, because it just it did not seem to me like this is the model of head coach you would want, like with a new ownership with yeah. so much grace afforded to you, probably more than any other team because you have this fresh start. You know, fans aren't, like, beating down the... Like, we need to win now. They're like, no, like, new ownership. We we understand this is going to take time. We've had Dan Snyder here. Grace period. There's a there's going to be a honeymoon period, grace period for this team. Yeah. And to me, it's like, well, why, why not take the upside swing? then? Why not shoot for the stars? And instead, it feels like they made a, a I like guess, quote, unquote, safe head coach hiring that isn't, like, too dissimilar to Ron Rivera, who was their previous head coach. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's like um you know the 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 Spider-Man pointing at himself mm. gif with uh him and and Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera of course being fired and then uh, they they hired Dan Quinn. And they're not the same personalities really, but their backgrounds are pretty similar in that, you know, they're both defensive-minded, you know, sort of player-friendly coaches. Their career records prior to, you know, joining up with uh the with Washington, you know, right around 500 both lost Super Bowls with uh, NFC South teams. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's like a, it's not it's not a hire that their fan base is all that fired up about. Mm-hmm. As far as I can tell, they had interest in Ben Johnson, of course, mm-hmm. who, you know, took the Lions offense to a new level. I mean, what ben, what Ben Johnson did with Jared Goff and that offense is really impressive. Obviously they have a really good offense line. They have good skill position players, but for him to take off to that next level, uh, was certainly impressive and watching their games. Like it's a fun, creative offense that, he, that he, um, you know, sort of created in Detroit and, and they're pretty close to being in the Super Bowl, uh, fell short, mm-hmm. uh, Dan Quinn, of course, led the Legion of boom Seahawks. Um, to, I mean, it was their defense that really carried that team, obviously, to mm-hmm. a Super Bowl. You know, when after they won the Super Bowl, quickly got hired as the Falcons' head coach. Started off really well there, like first year they were eight and eight. Second year they get to the Super Bowl, and then they they of course blew the twenty eight to three lead uh, to the Patriots. And his hands are on that. Like I know that Kyle Shanahan gets the lion's share of the blame for that, and rightfully so. But Dan Quinn should absolutely get you know plenty of. uh scrutiny for for the way that that game unfolded once they built up that big lead mm-hmm. and then from there on out like they kind of you know slowly got worse uh each year 10 and 6 the next year they of course lost to the eagles in the divisional round with the you know the matt ryan to julio jones play in the back of the end zone that, that jalen mills was in coverage uh eagles escape 15 to 10 of course that game you know the the tory smith play with uh, Keanu Neal having the ball bounce off his knee, so that's how they—that's how the Falcons' season ended that year. And then they go seven and nine, seven and nine, zero oh, and five. He gets fired in season, mm. and then became quickly—you know—the next season became the, the Cowboys' uh, defensive coordinator, where he did objectively a great job. Like they led the league, his first two years as their defensive coordinator, they led—they led the league in, takeover, in takeaways. So they had over—I thir- think they had thirty-three. I want to say uh, his first year there, and then. I, it may have even improved, like thirty-three or thirty-four, um, the, the the following year. This past year, they were fifth in defensive DVOA during the regular season, and then as we all saw, they got their they got their teeth kicked in <laughs> in the playoffs by the Packers. Like they were just basically helpless, couldn't do anything to stop Jordan Love in that offense. And after that game, like I think a lot of people were kind of like soured on him as potential yeah, head yes. coaching candidate. And then it seemed like he wasn't going to get one. And then it certainly seemed to me like this was not the commander's first or maybe even second or third choice. And they ultimately settled on him, which sort of, I don't know. um, It's fair to wonder whether, you know, the Dan Snyder era stink, residual stink is sort of still on that team. Yeah. And, you know, you and I, I don't think I know I'm not a Josh Harris fan as an owner, just, you know, locally here with the Sixers. I don't know how you feel about that. But, you know, you look at like the the Washington organization for beyond like all the crazy stuff that Dan Snyder did over his tenure there. Like they just have a lot of crappy things going on with that organization that aren't going to be fixed overnight and make them make them like not a very appealing friend. Like they're. Their facilities are awful. Like, it's the worst stadium in the league by a, by a mile. Evidently, like, their training facilities, um, I forget where they are. I think they're maybe in Virginia. I don't remember exactly. But they're apparently not great either. And you just there, there's just a lot of things that you're not going to have fixed overnight there. And there are just better jobs, uh, uh, you know, available from a comfort standpoint. Uh, and it seems like a guy like Ben – and there are reports that have come out since – that like Ben Johnson didn't interview well or whatever, but it's not a good look when he interviewed once and you're on your way to Detroit, like literally on a plane on your way to Detroit to interview him a second time. And while you're in the air, you get word that he is out. <laughs> like, he just wants to remain the Lions defense or offensive coordinator. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's something to the idea that still not viewed. I mean, what, there's new money in there. You got the, the, just the, the worst owner in, in, in you know, one of the worst owners in sports history, out still might not be a uh a desirable you know place to go be a head coach.
1: If I'm a commander, San, which I'm not, but if I was, and I see this report that comes out, part of the reason why Ben Johnson wasn't hired is because his asking price is too high. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm furious. Like, right? Who cares? Yeah, the other kind of gets the salary cap. Like yeah. that is pathetic. That's. I mean, yes. you know, Schefter's tweeting that out because you know he's getting. It's part of the game in terms of you know trading information, whatever. but yes. for a fan to buy into that at any level, that oh well, it's okay. We didn't get Ben Johnson because his asking price was too high. There's no such thing. I he, right. There's no right. such thing that Ben Johnson could he be asking for. He just bought the team for with six billion. Yeah, like <laughs> if if the co- if the ownership doesn't want to pay a coach money, like if they want to if they want to budget their head coach. I mean, it, the whole thing is DOA, like you're screwed. Like that's not the right mindset at all. Like yeah. if you're not willing to pay for a head coach, if you're not willing to get your guy, regardless of what it takes. Like that's just pathetic. And $6 billion is what they bought the team for the whole Six billion. The whole operation is just done though. Like if, if it's unserious, that's such an unserious move. How could you possibly have success if you're not willing to even pay for the top head coach? So I think the Adam Peters hire is good for Washington. I'm intrigued to see what you know what that does for them on a personnel standpoint. But the Dan Quinn hire, to me, is just pretty uninspiring. It, to me, it seems to be about raising Washington's floor instead of raising their ceiling. Right. And I, that's not the the move. That's not where this team needs to be. At the time of hiring Ron Rivera, I thought it was okay that they wanted to try to raise their floor a little bit. I thought that's yeah, not only
2: that like just f- try to fix the culture right some to some degree with ron rivera right like so i kind of got that too that i'm with you i
1: don't i don't get this one uh so and also as it impacts the cowboys because you touched on it there there's been a big time i feel like cope slash uh overreaction to how they kind of crumbled a little bit i guess down the, the stretch yep in that and, and and when it comes to the point that, like, Dan Quinn isn't actually good and RJ didn't want Dan Quinn back, I mean, I look at the numbers here and let me read you how the Cowboys ranked in DVOA and EPA per play. Uh, okay. In 2021, fourth in DVOA, third in EPA per play. 2022, fourth in DVOA, second in EPA per play. 2023, fifth in DVOA, fourth in EPA per play. Now, I think it's always important to contextualize what were the resources spent on those defenses. And in 2021, when the Cowboys were really good, they're 19th in defensive spending. In 2022, they're 26th in defensive spending. Then last Mm -hmm. year, they were 10th in defensive spending. Each of those years, the Cowboys overperformed what the resources were being put into those defenses. It wasn't like, you know, they're paying the most expensive defense in the league. And therefore they were getting, you know, those top results. So that's good coaching. That's the suggest- they
2: have great. They do have great players. Like sure. they have, you know, one of the, I clearly like a top three, four defensive player in the league and Michael Parsons. Trayvon Diggs is a great corner. Daron bland has developed into a great corner. Stefan Gilmore was, you know, was a very, you know, it was a good corner this year for them. They have good safeties. They have good complementary pass rushers in addition to Michael Parsons. So the players are there, but. That is, like, when you look at the the consistency yeah. that you just laid
1: out, it's impressive. And also, you just hit on the keyword there, development. Some of those players developed under Dan Quinn. Some yes. of those are more established. Like, you know, Dan Quinn didn't develop Stephon Gilmore. Uh, but... You know, like Micah Parsons, and I'm sure Micah Parsons would be pretty awesome, regardless of the coordinator, to be fair. But still, you have to give Dan Deron Quinn's, Bland. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> Darren <laughs> Bland. Bland coming, nickel uh, corner. Yeah. You know, like, there's, there's players who got better under him. So I certainly. Yeah. My point with Dan Quinn is that, no, he's, not that he's perfect. Uh, but I think RJ should be admitting Cowboys Hinge to be admitting there's a lot of room to go down. There's a lot of room. Like, yeah. It's not a guarantee that whoever you hire is going to be just as good or better. There's a lot of it could it could they could hire someone and it could work out and there won't be drop off or too much, but there there could be there could be a lot of drop. There's a lot of room to go down. Is the point after their defense was so good. So if you're the Eagles, I think you love this hire for uh, on both sides. The Cowboys' defense has a lot has has the potential to get worse. So they're still going to be I think you know not terrible because they do have talented players, but there's room for them to get worse. And I think from the commanders, I think the Eagles should have absolutely been worried. And I said this to be clear too, before they hired Dan Quinn, this isn't a hindsight take. I was worried about the commanders getting either Ben Johnson or Mike McDonald, who ultimately went to the Seahawks because I don't know if those guys are great head coaches, but that's the point. That is exactly the point. I don't know. Yeah. They could be. Whereas I'm not worried about Dan Quinn being that. I think right. he could be fine, Fair. but like I'm worried about, The upside, I'm worried about Ben Johnson being, you know, the next Kyle Shanahan or uh, Mike McDonald, you know, being the next Pete Carroll or the the next big thing in the NFL. I'm worried about that if I'm the Eagles, my division rival team going, you know, shooting for big time upside. So the fact that uh, they did not do that, I think, is good news and uh, ultimately did work out for them. Yeah, it looks like um, the –
2: I don't know if this has changed – but when I kind of wrote up the NFC East coaching, you know, hires and, you know, kind of maybe what's next with them. Ron Rivera is, is maybe going to oh. take over. They're going to do like a little switcheroo like he could maybe take over for Dan Quinn as the defensive coordinator. Uh, it looks probably more likely that they'll just promote from within. And and if they do that, then it'll be uh, defensive passing game coordinator slash secondary coach Joe Witt. Hmm. I don't know much about him. Uh, won't pretend to. Well, he's going but, um, to,
1: uh,
2: I thought he's going to the commanders. I saw he's interviewing yeah. with the commanders as well, but we'll see if Jerry Jones opens up his uh, piggy bank and, you know, tries to keep him there. Um, but yeah, I, I, it sounds like Joe, Witt's going to get a, a promotion one way or the other. Uh, but yeah, to be determined whether the Cowboys are able to keep him or if they hire from outside, which. It looks like the, if they do hire from the outside, it's Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera, by the way, of course, interviewed for the Eagles. Yes. Uh, defense coordinator job. And I kind of like went both ways on that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that he's a ve- he'd be a very inspiring hire. I think Vic Fangio is a better hire than him, certainly. But I did think he would kind of at least be an adult in the room. Um, and he give you a certain floor of competency mm-hmm. that you didn't have with maybe Sean Desai slash Matt Patricia. Um, but yeah, not certain. So, so, and from from the Eagles perspective, it's going to be their offense that, you know, ultimately determines whether they're going to be a Super Bowl contender or not. You just need the offense to kind of, or the defense to just not totally screw it up. So like, I thought maybe he could achieve that. But again that's kind of a low bar for uh, you know assessing whether a defensive coordinator hire is good or not. So, you know, I don't you know, it's I, certainly it's a downgrade in my opinion if you're going from uh, Dan Quinn to Ron Rivera, I think it's a downgrade no matter what because yeah. like you like you said you know he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. And, you know, I don't know that you want him being your head coach, like kind of like Jim Schwartz. Like Jim right. Schwartz is legit one of the best defense coordinators in the NFL. Yes. Do I want him as my head coach? No. Do I want him as my, my defense coordinator? Yep. Absolutely I do. So yeah, I think that's, that's kind of the situation here where both teams are hurt by these moves where Dan Quinn is now. Mm-hmm. I mean, the commanders aren't hurt because he'll be an upgrade over Rivera potentially. But, you know, again, super low bar for achievement there. And then, of course, the Cowboys get hurt because they lose their very good defense coordinator
1: yeah measured against what they could have been with you know higher upside the commanders are hurt yes uh,
2: <clears throat> rj same thing with their ownership like like okay yeah you got rid of dan snyder yes. great you got kind of a milk milquetoast uh, guy coming in to, to replace him
1: well i was saying this to uh, rj and steven serta on the sb nation nfl show on friday tgi football like the idea that you have this owner who might not be willing to pay whatever it takes to get the top head coach is also the yeah. same owner Who ducked the luxury has been ducking the luxury tax for the Sixers at times during this tenure and also sold second round picks, which is just like an insane concept to me that exists in sports at all that you can just sell a second round pick that does not like give you any kind of tactical advantage for the team. It's not like, oh, you get more cap space. If you're this, you know, yeah, the only the only person that benefits is the owner it, it literally just you're selling this pick and it's taking the money and putting it in the owner's pocket. Right. That is the benefit. Like, and the Sixers did that a lot. They did that a lot. So it's crazy to me that, you know, that like anyone would be on board with any of that. It's ridiculous.
2: Drift a guy, drift a guy from Croatia and just keep him over there. For, even if like it's not even if it's not a great prospect, take a shot.
1: Yeah, there's no there's no reason to not take a shot. It, do, it does not give you any unless you're unless unless you are i mean i don't buy this you should be able to do it without but if you're going to do that then you should be going over the luxury tax if you're going to take that money you yeah. know and sell the second round picks then you should be going you should be willing to spend whatever it takes elsewhere anyway don't need to get into all of that uh, Well, you look
2: at like denver by contrast like i don't know which they paid sean payton but certainly it was a lot yeah. like he, he like he didn't go there cheap denver of course was just purchased by uh, with the walton family yes so um you know, they shelled out for a head coach and the idea that, that Josh Harris would not in turn is just, yeah, I'm with you.
1: It's, it's insane. It's pathetic. So, uh, okay. Rumored. Oh, sorry. One last thing in Rivera. RJ was like making fun of the Eagles, interviewing him so much. Uh, so it'd be just very delicious. If the Cowboys end up hiring him because he is, he's absolutely dreading that anyway. Chip Kelly, potentially, Yes, back in the nfl jimmy as dan quinn's offensive coordinator like are like how are you serious like how how (laughs) and there's been report now some of the reporting on this is curious to me it was previously mentioned that chip and dan quinn might be like a package deal for the seahawks right and that was coming from like a seahawks based kind of or seattle-based reporter from what i saw on that and the reporting here on chip kelly potentially joining dan quinn in dc it was not like the the commanders are interviewing chip kelly it seemed kind of more like they could be interviewing I, him. I have it here so it was jeremy fowler of espn he said ucla head coach chip kelly
2: is a potential candidate for commanders right. OC under new dan quinn so that like like you said it's not hard news where they're bringing him in for an interview or he interviewed or whatever it's yes a quote-unquote potential candidate i think there's a so reason yeah for that I'm with you. i don't
1: i don't know how much i don't know how much you can buy yeah that he's a serious candidate or not i think well i think because part of it's coming from like chip kelly's camp where they're trying to like drum him up as an interesting candidate <laughs> and trying to get someone to like bite or try yeah. to get you know more because i think it's clear that chip doesn't want to return to college he doesn't want to go back right. to ucla where you know i don't follow college footballs closely so i can't speak you know with the the same level of uh <laughs> firsthand knowledge that others can, but it seems to me from afar that like the NL NIL money is a big deal in terms of like having advantage uh, recruiting and everything. And also the transfer portal where like, you know, player movement is, you know, very fast and like, you kind of, he wants nothing to do with recruiting and boosters
2: and And, all that stuff. And it's nothing to do with it. And and I think your point that like the NIL money only uh, and like the transfer portal only accelerates the need to recruit and and keep boosters happy and all that so i think you know it it just makes the if you don't like recruiting as a college head coach then all that stuff just makes college coaching all the worse
1: and they're also you know the conference realignment where the pac-10 doesn't exist anymore right and they're going to the big 10 ucla so it's kind of like they're entering a tougher conference too uh it's just it's a a big it's a lot of Basically chip is seeing the writing on the wall and is like, I'm gonna get fired here. <laughs> you know, like if I stay. So <laughs> yeah. he's trying to get out ahead yeah. while his you know, stock is still as high as it is right now and isn't dropping. So it seems it's, clear. Yeah, and it's
2: already pretty low. Like it's, right. people were surprised he
1: didn't get fired yes. after this past season. It could only it, it seems like again, it's only gonna go down. So he's 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 doing a good job on his part by recognizing it might just tank even further. Let me try to actually jump back to the NFL or something. So I don't know if it's gonna happen. But the fact that you would have like Chip Kelly as the guy who's like, if you're okay, defensive head coach, that's fine. But if you're going to be a defensive head coach, you have to nail the offensive coordinator higher. You have to nail it. Right. And also, especially if you have the number two overall pick in the draft and like this is going to be your new identity as the franchise, this guy. And Chip Kelly is the guy. Like this is, this is who you're going to go with potentially to like get the most out of that prospect. And that's how you're going to, right. Determine. You're killing that kid's like
2: long term prospects for success running the remedial offense that chip Kelly is going to bring with him wherever he goes. Uh, Cause it, it, they're just going to be so far behind running, you know, basically college and high school concepts at, at the pro level for as long as chip Kelly's there. And also like chip Kelly is not like a, a quarterback developer. Yeah. Um, and and by the way, like we probably were remiss to only get to the point that they have the number two overall pick until now, because that's another reason why not to, Hire defensive minded head coach,
0: like bringing an offensive
2: minded head coach to help develop, you know, whoever they're going to take a quarterback at number two overall. It's pretty clear, um, you know, whether that's Drake May or, uh, you know, whether Caleb Williams gets, you know, doesn't get taken number one or whatever. Um, So, I mean, we'll see Jaden Daniels, whoever, Mm -hmm. whoever it is, they're they're going to take a quarterback very clearly. But, yeah, to to hire a defensive minded head coach. and, And I mean, if they do hire Chip Kelly, that'd be like amazing just for our content of like just another familiar face uh you know in the division again um but I think that's an I actually think there's a place for Chip Kelly in the NFL somewhere sure. i do not exactly what that looks like but it's certainly not as the like I look at like defensive minded head coach uh the offensive coordinator is basically like head coach slash offense and the 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 reverse of that too like if it's, you have an offensive minded head coach who's running his offense the defensive coordinator is sort of like head coach slash defense, like Jim Schwartz was with, you know, Doug Peterson. So like, uh, while I think that there is a place for Chip Kelly in the NFL, it's not as, you know, head coach slash offense Mm. uh, for a team that's about to have the number two overall pick
1: and is definitely taking a quarterback. Maybe like, you know, senior offensive assistant somewhere for Chip.
2: Yeah, I mean, just just a guy that can come in. And I think he's got great ideas, but you don't want, his ideas to be sort of the your identity. identity of your team yeah
1: yeah I agree uh okay let's get into one last thing here in coaching news around the nfl that impacts the division because the as you mentioned the new york giants who still don't have a defensive coordinator kind of like kind of <laughs> funny because uh they gotta i mean you know they had a head start on that Considering sure. they didn't make the playoffs, the Eagles, you know, made changes after them, and the Giants don't even seem to ha- like have a clear kind of. It's, it's been it's been it's been well over three weeks this... since they you know since
2: Wink Martindale reportedly stormed out of their building right after cursing out Brian Dable right.
1: And where I, as I started the show by saying you know the Eagles made hires with conviction, they like they saw their candidates, they hired him and they didn't have a meandering search. This has been very much a meandering search for the Giants yeah. who interviewed Denard Wilson twice, didn't end up getting him. They interviewed the what, linebackers coach from the Bills and. Did, right. Didn't, Who instead end just up got promoted in. in Buffalo. Yeah. So they're kind of just. And this happened with their special teams coordinator, by the way. They were like, they were interviewing, I think they were turned down like three times by other teams because they kept mm. requesting other teams, special teams coordinators. And those teams are like, no, we're just, no, we don't want to get rid of them. Chick <laughs> so, Giants. Yeah. yeah like, like Obviously not. <laughs> so it's kind of weird how they've had this the whole offseason. Like they've kind of just been getting rejected a lot. But. Uh, yeah they don't have a defensive coordinator still and i wanted to touch on that because denard wilson is going to the tennessee titans and titans by the way i don't know you know anything about brian callahan really but it seems like they're putting together a staff that's decent around him with obviously his dad bill callahan who has a long track record mm-hmm. and is a successful offensive line coach and now denard wilson as well who uh i think are you able to offer some of the color you got? In uh, no, it's, okay. no, I can't. Okay, well, Jimmy, <laughs> it's not say... my story to begin with, so okay. I can't. Yeah. Okay, well, interesting <laughs> color uh, off the record about uh, Denard Wilson at the Senior Bowl, who was there. And basically, uh, I think it's kind of crazy that, you know, what what's done is done. The Eagles didn't retain him. They fired him, according to uh, reporting, which is weird, because they also inter- they interviewed him for the defensive coordinator position last year and then fired him even though reports indicate he was willing to stay on as the defensive backs coach still under Sean Desai, under a new defensive coordinator. In any case, goes to the Ravens. First of all, obviously had the success that he did with the Eagles. Like I said earlier, I kind of like, you know, poke, poking a little bit of fun on how much we make of uh coordinator or, or position coaches and how much they matter. And I think it's fair to say that in a lot of cases it's hard to exactly parse how much credit or blame a position coach truly deserves in a lot of cases. But in the case of Denard Wilson, it seemed pretty freaking clear that when you have CJ DJ who comes in last year and has never even played safety before, like at a full-time capacity and instantly has to do that from the time you acquire him right before the season to doing that has six interceptions. Now, obviously, you know, again, some of those were fortuitous in terms of, you know, uh the you know tip balls and whatnot but still, still a very clearly good player yeah. yeah and had a good season uh you have him you have uh Darius Slay having one of his best better years bouncing back I think after not having the best years before that James Bradbury second team all pro Marcus Epps developing from you know like someone who's kind of just eh to like a, yeah, legitimate... a guy like they they poached off someone's practice squad to becoming like a legitimately competent starter. Right. Who then it's got re,
2: hell re blanket ship undrafted re-blankenship. free Asian has to step in and played reasonably well
1: becomes the first UDFA to ever pick off Aaron Rodgers or whatever it was like, you know, like there's this, a, a lot of success there. And then, you know, obviously the Eagles rank high too in in passing defense last year. And he was, you know, their defensive passing game coordinator in addition to being their defensive backs coach. Okay, then goes to the Ravens. The Ravens this year, Kyle Hamilton develops into all first team all pro. Dino Stone, who had like never really done a whole lot in his career, has seven interceptions. Uh, Ronald Darby has a career year in terms of passer. Ronald Darby allowed his lowest passer rating allowed, at least as far as pro football (laughs) reference tracks it this year. Ronald Darby, remember that name? He's still like in the NFL and thriving. And, uh, Marlon Humphrey also allowed the lowest pass rating of his career this past season. So it seems pretty clear to me that like Denard Wilson might actually know what he's doing defensively. Uh, and yeah, you look at the Eagles, by the way, like the, the all the names you mentioned Darius Slay yeah. 2022 to 2023 got
2: worse, right? Bradbury got, I mean, just holy crap, fell off a cliff. Reed Blankenship kind of feel like he got a little worse from where he, from what he did in 2022. Um. oh avante maddox like got hurt obviously this year
1: but when he played worse even in training camp too just didn't really yeah Yeah. so i mean it's kind of crazy that you would have that guy in your building and just let him walk out the door like that's very bizarre very weird thing to me that the eagles did with denard wilson there and uh will be pretty interesting to see how he fares in Tennessee because again well, I think Vic Fangio it notably kind of worked out for the Eagles in terms of uh, you know they got Vic Fangio anyway but I think it's possible to wonder that what if like what well. if they what <laughs> It, it worked out if you could ignore that they had one of the most historic
2: collapses in NFL history. Well, yeah, as no, a result saying, of their of their defensive coordinator yeah, position. I'm not saying it's fine, <laughs> like,
1: n- no, nothing lost. But, but saying, I,
2: I get what you're saying. Yeah, like they, like, the, ultimately, the guy that they wanted, you know, a, a year delayed became their defensive coordinator. Yes,
1: maybe it's not as bad that you, you know, let Denard Wilson because <laughs> it, it might work out, is what I'm saying. It might ultimately kind of work out. But I mean, I think it's fair to wonder, (coughs) sorry, excuse me, that like, what if, what if Denard Wilson's better? What if like Denard Wilson, you know, has this bright future ahead of him? I don't know. We'll see. Maybe not. But I think it's certainly, it's to me, it's worth, it's absolutely worth monitoring how Denard Wilson does in Tennessee and the Eagles should be, and Nick Sirianni, who reportedly was the one who fired him, should be like, that should be held against him if, if Denard Wilson is absolutely thriving and you have this guy in your building and you just let him walk. So that's yeah. my, that's my piece on Denard Wilson. I think it's all fair. Okay. Let's take another break here, Jimmy, but not before we hear about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Oh, yes. Uh, 856-906-9295. Where you can reach her
2: home values way up, my friends. So if you bought a house, I don't know, like five, six, seven, eight years ago, it is probably worth a lot more now than it, like substantially more now than it was then. So... If you would like to get an idea of what it would sell for, if you were to put it on the market, Kristen Rush will give you an idea, do some home comps for you, um, give you a pretty good idea of you know what you could get for it. Or if you're just looking to buy or sell a house, whatever, uh, again, reach out to her. Voted on by God, of course, as we all know, by as the best realtor in the history of the universe. So you'd be crazy not to use her. Uh, you know, use somebody else. Not voted on by God as the best realtor in the history of the universe. To each his own. Anyway, 856-906-9295. Call or text her there.
0: Back after this. Kristen
2: Rocha of Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours, Kristen Rocha, Roach of Road Tours. She's there. Five six nine oh six nine two
0: nine
2: five eight five six
0: nine
1: oh six nine two nine five nine two nine five back here on BGN Radio Jimmy you were down in mobile 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 mobile, mobile Alabama Jimmy Bama yes as you are known down there <laughs> Uh, at least as Tommy Lawler refers to you. Yeah. Uh, I guess, you know, one thing I, I wanted to talk about based on, I was reading through your Senior Bowl practice notes on com, And we can get into some other Senior Bowl stuff too. But I think that one of the bigger like items that you had as it relates to, you know, the Eagles and not just, you know, this prospect did this, and you know, because there's a lot yeah, of prospects right. and it's kind of hard to, all right, Okay. Are they even going to be a play for the Eagles? Who knows? We'll see. But one thing that you had as a kind of like an overarching takeaway that isn't even necessarily new, but I think you had in there, it was interesting. And it does relate to the talent in this draft class. You said that quote unquote near lock that the Eagles take an offensive tackle early in the 2024 yeah. NFL draft, which I posted as a link title this week on bleedinggreennation.com and certainly got a lot of comments on Twitter at the very least. That were like, ranging from, like, you know, frustrated that the Eagles could do that because they have had a tendency to take offensive linemen and kind of sit them for a bit when you don't necessarily <laughs> need to do that. Yeah, and also uh, some pushback. I'm like, well, what does Jimmy even know? Like, how 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 could someone know <laughs> what the Eagles are going to do in the draft two months away? So uh, why yeah. don't you explain yourself, Jimmy?
2: Well, certainly, I don't know what the Eagle. I, I'm not sitting in on, on the war room and uh, and in on the Eagles' meetings, and you know what their what their strategies are going to be in draft time. I don't even know that they've done that yet. But I think you can, you know, look at the look at the writing on the wall. You just look at basically what their situation is um, and the way that they've drafted over the years. It's a pretty easy to peg offensive tackle as a position that they're going to take very early in the draft, whether it's in the first round or whether it's one of their two second round picks because, I mean, at right tackle, you have Lane Johnson, who's been, you know, in my opinion, like a top 20 type of player in the NFL over the last, you know, half decade plus. Um, Has not gotten the recognition as that kind of player. But in my opinion, like legit, like one of the best players in the NFL. He wasn't that in 2023, I don't think. Like he's still an elite player, but he was, he did not play sort of to his standard that we've seen over the last you know half decade plus again still a great player probably you know can be will be uh for the next couple years if he plays if he continues to play uh for however long he continues to play he's going to be a good player but he's 34 years old and as we have seen in the past the eagles always put succession plans in place along their offensive line um sometimes you know way earlier <laughs> than uh than you know certainly other teams around the league but way earlier than I think the fan base would would prefer that they do that like we saw it with Andre Dillard where they took him when having no idea exactly when Jason Peters was going to retire or whatever they did it with you know, three different times honestly with with Jason Kelsey um when they Drafted Isaac Sayamalo in 2016. And then later when they drafted Landon Dickerson, who, you know, primarily played center in college. And then just, you know, a couple of years ago when they took Cam Jurgens with a second round pick. So, I mean, they have a long history of draft, you know, drafting and developing offensive linemen and letting them take their time before they are inserted into the starting lineup for what they consider to be extremely important roles. Like there's no question that they value their offensive line quarterback aside above all else. And then also when you look at this 2024 draft, I mean, it is absolutely loaded, loaded with premium offensive uh, tackle talent. And a lot of the guys in particular, like make a lot of sense uh, for, you know, sort of the, the profile of players that the Eagles tend to target. Um, at that position and along their offensive line, like a lot of like you know high level athletes that you know maybe aren't, you know maybe maybe need like a little bit of polish and but like are like extreme athletes and and can be molded into you know elite type players. There's a lot of those type of guys uh, in this draft, so I think ideally what they could maybe do is take uh to go kind of like the Sean Andrews route where they drafted him to eventually take over. And this is pre Howie, of course, but they, they drafted him to take over for John Runyon back in the day at right tackle. But in the meantime, he played right guard and was actually like a star right guard for like one of the best guards in the NFL for a very short period before, you know, his career kind of unraveled, but, and he never wound up being like the guy at the right tackle, like a, of the future that, that they drafted him to be. But I think like if they could take a right tackle who could maybe slide inside to right guard where they could potentially have an opening Assuming Jason Kelsey retires and Cam Jurgens moves from right guard to to center, um, I mean I could name just a couple guys that I, that were competing at the Senior Bowl, uh, this year. Once Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma, he you know he played right tackle at Oklahoma. Uh, I think he was Daniel Jeremiah's uh pick for the Eagles in his first uh, mock draft this off season. Uh, but he's a guy that that makes a lot of sense as a development not a, not even a developmental guy like already a very good player, but has like high level athletic traits, uh, who could eventually take over for lane. And then I don't know how to pronounce this guy's first name, but it's Fuaga, uh, this is his last name from Oregon State. Ta- Tally Tellies Ta- Fuaga, I'm not sure. My apologies, I sound like an idiot, but I've actually watched quite a bit of him, even if I don't know how to pronounce his first name. Uh, he is like a nasty, uh, right tackle, actually would really translate well to right guard in the short term, but certainly has the ability to play. Uh, right tackle again. The third guy, Kingsley Suamataya from BYU. I really liked him when I was watching him during the season. He actually came in with pretty disappointing measurables. Uh so he only measured in a 6'4, which isn't great. Um Daniel Jeremiah to mention him again, he put out his top 50 prospects um, you know, heading into the offseason. And he wasn't on it, which was surprising to me. That he didn't crack the the top fifty. I think he barely cracked Dane Brugler's, uh, or maybe didn't even uh, top fifty list. You know, which he put out either in like November, or December, or whatever. So he might be you know, but round two, uh, you know, potential target if the Eagles don't take one in round one. But yo know, guys, like let's be real here, they're taking an offensive tackle early at some point because even if they you know don't replace, I mean, they just have really no depth at all. Assuming you know Jason Kelsey retires and, and moves to center because then like they either have a hole at right guard or Tyler Steen steps in at right guard. And then who do you have there after like who, what's your depth? So they're going to keep filling that pipeline with offensive line talent. And, you know, I, I think they can kind of figure it out as they go, but certainly uh, like a, a right guard of the present right tackle of the future, it, you know, makes a lot of sense to me uh,
1: for them with a really high pick and potentially in the first round. I'm a little conflicted. I mean, I get the fan frustration. I don't, it's just hard when, especially if it's the first-round pick, that you're just like, you know, have this guy on the shelf. I don't believe in, you know, you have to draft someone for right now. Obviously, that's not, I think, the best strategy to draft. Yeah. And I I have a hard time begrudging the Eagles for wanting to invest in the offensive line. So at the end of the day, you know, in the trenches, I think that obviously matters a lot. And that strategy has generally served them well and has resulted in two super bowl appearances one super bowl win in no small part because of that strategy and that philosophy even if it's like you know uh a a, boring boring (laughs) and also a uh i'm trying to phrase it as like uh kind of like the cost of doing business kind of like you know how maybe there's there's going to be times i'm relating this to like how you know you're going to be aggressive for it on fourth down, and maybe there might be a time, and this is a kind of come up a lot with Dan Campbell, where maybe you're a little too aggressive in a certain spot. I don't tend to think that, by the way, in his case in the Lions game. But I'm just saying as a general kind of, if your operating procedure is we're going to be aggressive, maybe there's a time in there where that's not the right approach. It's kind of just like your mindset. So it's kind of just the, the cost of like it's, it's it's overall you're going to like live with that because it's going to serve you well. There might be like one or two times where that's not the best optimal decision. I think those approach is gonna be like we're gonna invest in the offensive line, and maybe there's a time or two there where it's taking it a little too far. I think it's okay that you're gonna take it too far in that direction. I think you live with that. Um, so I have a hard time like crushing them for it. But again, I, I see the fan standpoint too, where it's just not it's not exciting, obviously. It's not like you're not like thrilled about it. You're not watching, you know. This time of year, by the way,
2: like it it's I think it's even less palatable for people. That want someone that can have an instant impact yes. because we haven't even seen what what they're going to do in free agency yet. Right. So if they make, if they add players that can help you immediately in free agency and sort of plug some of the obvious starting positions that need attention, like safety, linebackers, et cetera, uh, it becomes more palatable thereafter yes. to draft for, you know, the long
1: term instead of the short term at that point. And yeah, a lot of things are, you know, context dependent here. How does the board shake out? How does the Jason Kelsey situation... There's a lot of, like, things to sort through there. Um, I will say, I think I'm maybe, you know, I don't think the Eagles view it this way, but I'm more interested in Tyler Steen as a tackle than I am at guard. Maybe I'm overreacting okay. to what we saw in training camp. I just think he looked better there. I think you, he, like, really right, looked like, he looked, he looked like, good at tackle and like, did not look good at guard. looked really good at tackle, though. Like, not even just okay. Yeah. Like, I thought, like, like, man, this guy is, like... like pop it he's standing out he's and I think that's hard yeah. to do in to camp at times for an offensive lineman but he was like really standing out at tackle there and at guard and just like both in practice and then when he played there you know and sparingly in the regular season like just never it's never really solid and maybe that can kind of change when he has you know more time this offseason to fully adjust to that as opposed to preparing for the draft now he's like right as a full offseason to really kind of attack guard and and learn that position so maybe he makes a big leap there. And I think people are too down on him a little bit because of that. Because like it was like, oh, why couldn't he even be active? And I get that because Sua, you know, ultimately Sua was active over him late in the season. I just think he's, I think he's a tackle, and he's like, I think he's more equipped to play tackle. So in that sense, um, you know, and I don't, again, I don't think the Eagles are viewing him that way. Unfortunately, because I think he might be able to succeed the most there. Uh, that kind of makes you know tackle a little bit less exciting for me because I think the, Tyler Steen should be that guy but yeah I, I absolutely when it comes to what i think will be in play i do think tackle is going to be in play and to be clear too you're not even saying you said early you're not even saying they're definitely going to take a fat attack right with the first round pick you're just saying you know probably day one day two somewhere there's just
2: ring. so many really good offensive tackles in this draft that it's hard to imagine like you're going to get a value yeah at one of those guys like a guy that maybe wouldn't normally be available exactly. at 22 wherever they are um might be there, a guy who might not not normally be there at 50 or 53 with one of
1: their two second round picks. You're sounding like might be there. You're, so you're you're really prepping Howie's post-draft speech for him right now. You're like, <laughs> this is a guy who, you know, like we, we simply couldn't. I mean, this is a guy who in most years would not be there. Other GMs were calling me after I made that
2: pick, and they're like, Wow, great pick, Howie. <laughs> yes. By the way, Brandon, uh 2021. You know who I said the Eagles are going to pick? Devontae Smith. 2022. You know who I said the Eagles are going to pick? Jordan Davis. 2023. You know who I said the Eagles are going to pick? Jalen Carter. Wow. Boom, boom, boom. So doubt me at your peril, bitches. <laughs> I have all three of those too. I love you all.
1: Well, I have two of those, and I had Nolan Smith the past year. Ah, so.
2: uh ah, ah, ah. I hold on. I got to pull up here. I don't know about that. Yeah, I did. PLG. And I know, by the way, oh. I know I have, I know I have uh, some pain coming my way because at some point we're going to revisit the over unders that we right. did before the start of the season. Mm-hmm. And I know I got my ass handed to me on those. So it's time for a little reckoning for you. BLG Two twenty twenty one. 2021. You also had Devante Smith. Yes. So good job on that. 2022. Oh, GMO. You did not have uh, Jordan Davis. You had Jamison Williams. Okay. Well, maybe and, that's uh, I, and 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 maybe the, the other pick they though. traded during the draft. But uh, you had George Karlaftis. I had. I actually had sort of the AJ Brown comp. Mm. I had trailer. Okay. Burks. That's a lot of credit. So to was actually yourself. on the right track.
1: <laughs> that's a little. That's a little. You can't take credit for that
2: i can take credit for that i mean and you then, can't say uh, you
1: nailed the aj brown trade because you had them no i Traylon didn't Burks. nail aj
2: brown trade but i but i took the one player in the draft who most okay. you know represented most represented what aj brown is mm. uh all right so uh and then 2023 you had nolan smith yes uh at pick 10 which a bunch of people actually had that to be fair
1: like uh i didn't think like that wasn't like nolan Smith over Jalen Carter. That was obviously like I don't think Jalen is reaching their their and he didn't reach their range. They had to trade up. But in any case. It looks like Zach Berman had him. Uh that was kind of my thing with I guess Chris Franklin. Jordan Davis too. In any case. John McMullen. I wanted the Eagles to draft Jordan Davis. I wrote the article that year. That's why I took credit for it. It It's because like I in twenty twenty one I wrote like Eagles draft Devontae Smith. Like that was like each year, I stake a claim, basically to like Eagles. You have to draft this guy, and I that was my article for twenty twenty one. Jordan Davis was my article for that for twenty twenty two, and then because this is this coincides with the SB Nation writers mock draft. That's is why I do that article because mm-hmm. I make that pick and I make the case the Eagles have to draft that player. And Nolan Smith was that guy last year. So those like were the guys I said they have to draft. So and obviously I was a big Nolan Smith guy last year too, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. not not looking as good i still feel good more. about nolan i think he you know <laughs> he can
2: still carve out a good career
1: but he definitely a little, little disappointing rookie disappointing rookie season <laughs> but i think the eagles didn't play him enough and part of that yeah. is because you know you have to earn your playing time but part of it's because like they didn't rotate their defensive line enough clearly like that was a big issue and i think we saw nolan flash at times when he did get some playing time and i think it's hard for him to kind of Find his footing when you're not giving him that regular playing time and when you're also trying to experiment with his role a little too much. I don't want him an off ball linebacker. Like that was never a thing to me. Like let him rush the passer. Let him do and also he's a really good run defender. So let him do that as well. Stop dropping him in the coverage. Yeah. I don't want to see Nolan Smith dropping in the coverage like a ton. Obviously, you can do that from time to time, but they were doing a little too much. And I think they were trying to put a little too much on his plate when they should have just been keeping it simple for him and then letting him attack the quarterback slash set the edge. So Interested to see how he does, certainly in Vic Fendio's system and what becomes of his future. I still, I believe in the in the person, you know, Nolan Smith so much that it's going to be hard for me to quit him. Like he seems to have it all, kind of like up here figured out in terms of attitude and toughness and everything. So and smarts. So I feel like I'm still willing to bet and the tools. He has the athletic tools in his body to, you know, have upside and potential. So maybe he doesn't work out, but um. And that's another thing, by the way, when it comes to because everyone wants to talk about, oh, the Eagles should have taken Kyle Hamilton. And, you know, very easy to say in hindsight. Yeah. And it's not just hindsight for everyone. A lot of people liked Kyle Hamilton as a prospect. At the time, I never thought he was going to make it to the Eagles pick. So I never really like, thought of that as a realistic thing. Uh, but also, if like <clears throat> my case for defending the Eagles in that circumstance is that Howie Roseman has said safety is a very hard position to evaluate um maybe his hardest position so that's a position that the Eagles don't necessarily feel the most confident in projecting to the NFL right and also not I don't love making excuses for Howie here but also Jordan Davis is literally as we said at the time like the most athletic prospect ever behind Calvin Johnson like just total freak show so if you're gonna take a swing on that guy I don't hate that You're you're you know you're taking a swing on like this very unique opportunity so again that does does that mean it's the right decision ultimately no like you know you're measured against what happened but I don't think it was like this insane thing to do it's not like how could they possibly do whereas it was with Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson that was an insane decision to make because we knew Justin Jefferson was an awesome (laughs) college player who did things and he also he checked every box I don't need to relitigate everything but like athletic production literally anything you could want he checked off whereas John Rager did not do a lot of those things so you went into that decision with you made a bad decision like the the information you had at the time you made a bad decision the information you had at the time with Jordan Davis versus Kyle Hamilton I don't think it's as clear as it is now in hindsight is my point anyway
2: that's gonna be that's gonna be that that could be the new
1: Brandon Brandon Thomas Brandon Graham by the way although Which is funny, in that direction. How did that work out? I mean, obviously Kyle Hamilton
2: is so good. By the way, yes. holy crap! He, the the way that he played in the playoffs, of course. man, like that kid that that and was obviously like a go, like a great college player too. Like right. there are people that had him as like I think somebody had him as like their number one prospect overall. Of course, yeah. nobody's going to take a safety number one overall, but I think it was like kind of consensus top five kind of player. Mm-hmm. He fell to what fourteen? Yeah, people are going to be upset about that for a long time if Jordan gets
1: bust. I get it um of course uh you know earl thomas fantastic player would have been you know would have helped the eagles a lot but also you know brandon graham defensive is... player of the year one year <laughs> brandon graham is uh not you know he's no slouch no had more longevity and made certainly a uh a bigger play the biggest uh, play between the two players in eagles franchise yeah. history ever uh-huh I don't want to hear it was the Philly special. It was absolutely the strip sack. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Any final thoughts, Jimmy?
2: Yeah, just the senior bowl in general. Uh, You know, I'll go when the Eagles are out. So if they don't make the playoffs, I'll go. And if they get to at least the divisional round, I won't go. Um, This year, I was kind of like, does anyone go?
1: No one goes when they make it, right? When they're like in the Super Bowl, like so, did people go? Did any Eagles reporters go to the Senior Bowl last year? Oh God, no, no.
2: I think Tommy went. Oh, um, well, that makes but sense like none, because he's like you know none
1: of the local, yeah, none of the local beats uh,
2: went last year. No way because there's just too much to do right. here to spend like three days in Alabama away from the team. Never going to happen. So uh, no, nobody went. I did go the year they lost to the. Well, the other year they lost (laughs) to the Buccaneers in the first round uh, in 2021. Uh, And Nick was there and Howie was there for that. Um, They were not there this year. So it was kind of a little bit of a bust from our perspective in that we didn't get to talk to Nick or Howie or anything like that. Big Dom was there watching practices from the sidelines, by the way. The NFL allowed him on the sidelines for the senior bowl. (laughs) So like he didn't try to
1: to start a fight with any of
2: the players. (laughs) He didn't didn't try to start a fight with any of the uh, college all-stars uh uh during practices so So uh yeah so he he was able to stay on the sideline um but yeah uh it's a it's an event that i've been to i'd say like eight or nine times uh over my uh career covering uh the eagles and it's a it's an event that like they will they're very open to credentialing like blogs and and podcasts and stuff like that they're very smart in that way like they credentialed me when I just had, you know, my blogging the beast blog, like mm. before I, you know, was a full-time writer or anything like that. And I was always appreciative of, of them doing that. In fact, uh, two years ago, I ran a, you know, Gail Saunders from sure. fourth and John, I think he was there this year too. Yep. I didn't see him this year. I just saw his Twitter feed. Like he, he was, he, he was tweeting about the senior bowl. So I, I assume he was there. Yep. Um, but I, you know, I ran into him there a couple years ago. It was good to catch up with him. There's another guy uh my apologies i can't remember his last name but he's got a he's got a podcast joe something i think i saw him there that's true and yeah i think that's right and uh i think i saw him there and then but bef- you know by the time you know he wasn't he wasn't you know around me anymore i oh that's who it was so you know good on him like it's good on him for the hustle and good on gail for the hustle to go down there and um I, 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 assume they're, they're doing that on their own dime, which uh, I really appreciate that hustle for like people. I get like emails and direct messages from, you know, college kids a lot that like are trying to break into the business. Mm-hmm. And typically I'll talk to them. Like I'll say, here's my number, give me a call. And, um, you know, I can just tell you, I can just give you my own experiences. And then if you can take something away from, from that, then, you know, God bless. Uh, but like. What you know, one of the things I did was try to go to events like that to, you know, kind of try to network mm-hmm. or provide content that like not anyone else locally was doing. So, you know, good on those guys, good on those guys for, for, for going down there and, um, you know, hustling like that. When I think some of, uh, like I know I take for granted, you know, an event like that these days, whereas when I did it, you know, more than 10 years ago, it was kind of a big deal for me to go down there and, and. Uh, you know, get to watch practices and and sort of, you know, stand on the sidelines next to, you know, like NFL head coaches and general managers while you know we're all watching practice together. That was like a, a, a huge deal to me that I maybe take it take for granted these days. But uh, pre- always appreciative of the senior bowl and them credentialing me early in my career and always good to like get down there and meet up with, uh, you know, Tommy, who goes most mm-hmm. years, who I, you know, lives in North Carolina. So, you know, I don't see him face to face. Fran Duffy's always down there. Bo was down there this year. Uh, three of the inquiry people, McLean, EJ Smith, Olivia Reiner were all there. So it was good hanging out with, with uh, you know, everyone down in Mobile. Uh, again, kind of a bust because Nick and Howie weren't there. But the barbecue down there is awesome. So, uh, yeah, good food and, you know, just fun just hanging out with those guys while watching practices
1: and, and joking around and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a cool event. Direct shot fired at me for not going, number one. Tough, tough, <laughs> tough look for me. Um number two, I saw I certainly
2: you, didn't mean that in any way.
1: Just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> uh I saw you did a PHLY interview with Bo Wolf. Didn't yeah. mention uh-huh. BGN Radio. Uh oh, sorry, buddy. Big failure. <laughs> uh, I don't
2: think I, I don't think I mentioned Philly voice either. So uh, he did Bo did. Uh and oh, okay. then
1: um unintentional, I think, but in fairness to Bo. But and in this case, what I'm about to say, uh referenced my tweet. But didn't give me, you know, didn't give me the, the credit. He he did say, I don't remember oh, yeah. who tweeted this. In terms of the "there's no salary cap for coaches" thing, the Ben Johnson oh, point that okay. I made, yeah. um, which is fine. You know, you, you scroll by Twitter sometimes you see a tweet you forget. It's not a, it's not the biggest deal. I'm bringing it up on the podcast, but it's not a big, it's not a big deal. It's not in my head at all. What you're saying is you you, yeah. you want to fight, Bill? Well, no, of course not. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, yes. So, uh, you know, good final thought. I think by you, petty final thoughts by me um we'll get more into you know prospect coverage obviously as the draft rolls along probably get tommy on here again we had i think we had tommy on last year right we've had tommy on at one point we we had tommy on before the draft last year okay we'll get tommy back in here get you know some some prospect takes going on and uh more BGN and podcasts podcast to come every week of course this offseason uh will be more of a stable recording schedule certainly when you're not traveling and we'll have some more coaching news I'm sure that'll come to fruition by the way for some context on the coaching news the Eagles typically especially under Nick Sirianni I feel like have maybe with Doug too but they usually officially announce their coaching staff all at once typically not always Mm -hmm. they obviously announce the Vic fans you hire but like last year for example it it wasn't until like February 28th that they officially announced like we're hiring brian johnson as offensive coordinator sean desai as defensive coordinator mm-hmm. obviously you know things leak out beforehand but they they don't necessarily like confirm all that typically until like a one-shot thing where they announce all the coaching staff changes at once so i think some people i've right. seen like some kind of like anxious you know like why are they going announcing everything it's just that's not how they do it they don't always do it uh very quickly so i guess my point is you know we're gonna get some more things i'm sure that'll trickle out in terms of who's in who's out and whatnot uh but if you're waiting for the official announcement might be a little bit of time here still before they do that so that's just some context if that helps at all and uh final thought um i wanted to plug somewhere recently restaurant in philly which I can't totally sure if I'm going to name the right place. Although you should go to this place, Poyero to me in like society Hill, queen village area. It's a Venezuelan restaurant. I went last weekend. I've been there before, but I went again last weekend. What's that dish dish seafood Uh, seafood? No, Um, I got a couple things. They have uh, arepas, which are good, but the thing I like the most there, it's called a, Kachapa, which is a corn pancake so it's like this this corn yeah. mixture pancake that um so it's kind of like almost i guess the taste to me is kind of like you know cornbread it's like the kind of different form of cornbread yeah but then right. they so they take that pancake like the and then they put this called uh it's cheese it's called queso de mano i think um it's called like uh like hand cheese as you know it translates to It's so this really it's kind of like a mozzarella but a little bit different This really good cheese folded inside of that uh <clears throat> corn pancake and you can get like meat and stuff too if you want but I just had it with the cheese and it was excellent it was honestly one of the like the best things I've eaten in a while it was so, I was so blown away by how good that is so poero, Venezuelan food in Philadelphia check that out if you're in the city I think really good spot both for lunch and dinner either way uh, a lot of good things on that menu. In addition to their Tequenos, which are like uh, the Venezuelan version of mozzarella steaks. Instead mm-hmm. of like a fry, fried, it's kind of like a pastry on the outside. More of like a pastry texture. Really good. Uh, in addition to their Tostones, which are also like this plantain chip thing, which I is fantastic. So, yeah. Big fan of Puyero. Shout out to them. Not a sponsor or anything, but I just like to show love. I'd to like s- to have cut-ups of you saying all these uh, Spanish what? words. <laughs> Oh, Jimmy, your audio was You're cutting for- out a little bit there. What did you say? Uh, I said I'd like to have just a cut-up of, of you saying all these uh, Spanish dishes. Well, I hope I'm <laughs> not – well, Venezuelan, Jimmy, not Spanish. But, okay, well, um, I hope – yeah, I hope I'm not butchering them. They speak them. Spanish in, uh, in Venezuela, do they, Matt? uh I guess. Yeah, I don't know. In yeah. any case uh, – Yeah, Brazil
2: is, Brazil is Portuguese. <laughs> yes.
1: Okay. Well, I hope I'm not butchering them too badly. Anyway uh, – <clears throat> All right. This has been BGN Radio 380. Uh, Jimmy's connection seems to be going out a little bit. He's frozen on the video side on my end, and I don't know how much of the audio I'm hearing from him. Uh, but in any case, uh, we appreciate you listening, rating, reviewing, all those good things. Apple Podcasts, five stars, ratings, and reviews. Uh, we appreciate you supporting our sponsors, which you can find their information in the episode description below. Also, check out uh, my work at com Jimmy Kemsky's work at phillyvoice.com also our social media information if you want to contact us also in the show notes below in this whatever podcast app you're listening on jimmy and i will be back next week to talk about whatever comes up in eagles news i'm sure there will be something and we will have a fun time doing it so we will talk to you next time good bye everybody
2: P-G-N